Take the video that we watched earlier. I hope as we've come together in, in this place today that we don't miss out on the presence of God, not just in this place, but in the life of the believer as we walk with him on a daily basis. My prayer is that we don't miss out We don't allow ourselves to get caught up in too many different things that we miss out on the leading of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. We find ourselves in this really, really interesting place as both a a, uh, a culture and in the life of of the local church. There there are things that, that are shifting there are, there are things that, that are changing. And with all of those things on the horizon, whether consciously or, or subconsciously, we're probably asking some pretty similar questions if we were to really kind of compile all of those things together. Why? Why all the change? I think that's like why is one of those fundamental questions that we all kind of ask about things. Like if you've ever had like a child or been around children and tried to explain something, like why, why would you do this? Or why does this thing work? Why? And, and that answer's not, seldom good enough, right? I, I'm, I'm guessing, parents, let me hear this back from you. Is, is, the answer, is, is the answer to the question why like ever good enough? No, no. But, but we've never stopped asking why. And, and I think that, I think that there's, there's actually something to that, and I think that there's something that, uh, that can be good uh, about that. But in our questions of our, our present realities, why? Why all the change? And, and for some of you, maybe you're the type of person, you look, at, you look at things that are new, and you look at changes like challenges, you look at them as like opportunities and, and so you look at change and you, you look at it from the perspective and ask the question of, of what is the opportunity within the change? Maybe to dig a little bit deeper, how will the changes, how will things that are changing impact the things that I value? How and where will I fit in in a culture that is ever shifting and when the shifts become the cultural norms, where will I fit into all of that? For, for the Christian culture, I, in, if, you were, if you were an observer of culture or you watch the news or you read news articles online or anything like that, it's, it's been very apparent uh, that, that our culture is, is changing, it's shifting there are things that are going on that are kind of tumultuous. And so, so for the Christian culture, I think that the, the question actually goes a little bit deeper than simply dealing with change or simply just asking the question of why. Maybe the question goes a little bit something like this. How, how do I live within a culture that, that blatantly ignores the biblical principles that the church stands on? Or maybe even taking that a step further. What do I do in the relationships with people that tell me that I'm on the wrong side of history? What do I do with that? How do I deal with that? 
For us as, as a local church, the, the question of change actually gets a little bit more personal. This is, this is where it kind of it, it comes, comes home to us. And, and the question uh, is, is something like this, like what happens if August 2nd gets here and I don't like the new pastor? Or what if, what if the new pastor gets here and they don't like the staff that I like? Or what if the new pastor hears and they, gets here and they do like the staff that I don't like? Getting a little funny here, but let me, let me take this one a step further. What if they do something to the ministry that I'm deeply invested in? How will I deal with that? You know, questions like this, they can, they can give fear, they can bring a lot of fear. And, and, uh, and, and if we were to be really, really honest as we wrestle with these things and we kind of look at the possibilities and I've, I think I've told you guys this on, on occasions before but I'm a scenarios guy. Like I've got like four or five scenarios played out in my head right now. Like not perfectly, like I'm not like a strategist or anything like that but like I tend to like look at different outcomes for things. And so in my mind, like I, I look at stuff like this and questions like this and, and, it's, and it's really difficult to not feel like a bis- bit of a misfit. Now that's something that I would know absolutely nothing about. <laughs> I'm a pastor named Damien with spiky hair. You know, there's a funny story actually. I've got to share, with, I've got to share with this with you. Like, I, I see this as like my ultimate act of rebellion in my life. Um, my parents in the, uh, in the early 80s, they saw the, uh, the, the Omen series. I don't know how many of you are familiar about that, Rosemary's Baby or whatever it is, you know. But uh, anyway, so they saw these movies, hated the movies, but they loved the name Damien. Well, they named, the character Damien in these was named after the spawn of Satan. Like, we just love the name, though. Like, great, thanks, Mom and Dad. But, but it's one of those things, I view my ultimate act of rebellion of being, in, uh, being a pastor. <laughs> so if there's, if there's ever been a time to feel like a misfit, this is kind of the time when we would feel a little bit like a misfit. But the beauty, the beauty of the church of Jesus Christ, the beauty of his bride, is that for thousands and thousands of years, the church has been the home of the misfit. And for over 2,000 years, as people have called themselves by the name of Jesus and have associated with, it, with him and have really gotten a picture, have really sought after Jesus and what he wants, even in the midst of, of change, even in the midst of change, the church can stay true to the one who is unchanging and the foundation that Jesus Christ laid out when he laid down his life is one that makes you and I misfits in this ever-changing world. Well, folks, over the next six weeks, we are gonna be diving into a series called We Fit, and we're gonna be looking at the church through the, and the foundations of the church, the unchanging foundations through the lens of scripture and through the lens of a particular character in scripture. We're gonna be looking at the life of Simon Peter, and I love Simon Peter. Because I think like if we were to categorize Simon Peter like today, I think we might say that he has a little bit of ADHD. Like he kind of speaks, he says things before like he thinks about what he's saying. Anybody have a little bit of that in them here? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
I have to struggle like to not say some really inappropriate things sometimes, and most of those times are funerals. Um, but, uh, but during this series, we're gonna be looking, we're gonna be looking at the life of, of Simon Peter, and, and we're gonna get a better picture of the kingdom of God, and as Simon understands the kingdom of God, but he under, starts to understand it, not through the way that he sees it, but through the way that Jesus teaches him what it means to be a part and to belong to the thing that God is up to in the world that he's created. And my prayer for you and I throughout this is that this wouldn't be just something that we endure in a time of transition. I pray that you don't simply endure this, but that you begin to see your fit among the church that God has created you to fit perfectly into your place in it. And I pray that you're transformed. And to help you do this, one of the things that we're doing, if you go onto our website, it's ecwesleyan.net, and you do the whole like backslash thing, and you type in we fit after that, every week we're gonna have a series of questions. Get together with friends, talk about these things, because I don't want this to just stop here. We've gotta, we've gotta engage with this thing, and, and you will get out of this exactly what you put into that. So you guys ready for this? Ready to get started with this? Let's do it, let's pray. God, thank you so much for today, for the opportunity that we have to come into this place and to worship you. God, I pray that as we uh, engage with your word, that you are honored in it. God, I, I know myself, you know me better. God, I pray that you'd set me aside. God, if there are places where I think I'm being clever, would you shut me up? I don't want to say anything that you don't want me to say today. God, would you be honored by what we take from here? Help us to get a better understanding, a better picture of what it means to follow you and who you are. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Each of the gospel accounts shares a little bit of a different detail about the calling of Simon Peter to Jesus' side to follow him. If you were to look in the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels, you, you would see like each of these writers is writing from a different perspective. For Matthew, he has Simon out on a boat and uh, when Jesus calls him. For, for Mark, Mark has Jesus show up at Simon's house and, and heal his mother-in-law. John writes of Andrew's influence, bringing his brother to Jesus, making Andrew the, the first evangelist in recorded history. Uh, but it's the doctor, it's Luke. I love Luke's writing because he gets the details and he gets, he's very scholarly in his approach to, to writing, but he gets the details and he gives us the conversation that changes everything for Simon Peter. And if you go there together, we're gonna, we're gonna jump into this in Luke chapter five. I'm gonna have this up on the screen and we're gonna go ahead and, and I'm gonna read it from the screen here. Uh, but if you wanna follow along in your Bibles or you wanna kinda put a, a thing in there for later uh, to come back to this, this, this would be great. But this is Luke chapter five, starting in verse one. And, uh, and so we have this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. 
When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So Simon, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. So Jesus is standing by the lake teaching. And since he didn't have a portable sound system with him, he didn't have one of these like funny things. He didn't have a megaphone. He didn't have like a sound guy or anything like that. Or gal, sound gal. Sorry, Tracy. Um, didn't have a sound technician. Uh, he, since he didn't have that, I love, I love that Jesus understands how his creation works. He's by a lake. He gets in a boat. He goes out a little bit. There's natural amplification. He's got built-in reverb. He had already, he had already set the sound stage for this, he knows his creation, and so he gets into a boat, and it just happens to be Simon Peter's boat. And here is Simon Peter in the ship with the region's newest rabbi. This is at the very beginning of Jesus's public ministry. But this isn't their first interaction. If you were to read a chapter back in, in Luke's message, uh, he, he details the same incidents that Mark records, the, the healing of, of Peter's mother-in-law. And while Jesus moved on from that town, it was no mistake that the two found themselves at the same place and at the same time, and that this was the same Jesus who cast a fever out of Simon's mother-in-law and he would now commandeer Simon Peter's boat, but let's get back to this, this snapshot. Let's go back to the beginning of this part here. It had been a particularly bad night for Simon Peter and his partners. Their livelihood, it depended on the hall, but they came up empty. I can imagine that this probably was not the first night that they had ever experienced this. And now while I don't want to assume what somebody is feeling in this or, or read anything into what's going on here, but if I put myself in his shoes and my livelihood, my family, my, my place in my community, if they were, if, if, if they were dependent on the way that I did my job, I'd probably be thinking, what am I gonna tell my wife? What, what am I gonna tell my family? 
what, what do I do with this? This is, this is all I know how to do. This, this was Peter's trade. This, this, was his, this was his job. He had one job. This is what his father did. It's probably what his grandfather did. He, he wasn't smart enough to, to be taught by one of the rabbis and follow after them. He, he wasn't young enough to be, to be trained in another craft. It wasn't one of those like, oh, hey, sorry, you failed about this. Let's try another career. No, no, Peter's, Peter's life up to this point, his business model was catch fish, profit. And Simon Peter begins to suffer from this crushing self-doubt that if you read later on in his story, I'm sure it's probably pretty, pretty similar to what would later sink him as he walks in the waves. Here's, here's a guy who he knows that he's one of the children of Israel, but he feels like a, a lesser branch broken off of a greater tree. Within his culture, in, the, in the, the time period of his culture, his sense of identity, his sense of value and belonging came from what he did and how well he did it. It came from his position. That was what his role in the community was. So he's a husband. He's a son. He's a brother. He's a fisherman. Right now he's a pretty lousy fisherman. And then along comes Jesus. And Jesus steps into the boat and pulls off the shore and he begins to teach. And Simon Peter must have recognized him. He must have recognized his voice because you don't hear a voice that commands sickness and casts out demons and forget that very easily, would you? I think that'd be pretty formative. And there was this person that spoke with authority and power And when he's done teaching, he tells Simon, Jesus tells Simon, pull out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. It's the middle of the day. It's hot. The nets are cleaned. You've got to imagine that the tone in Simon Peter's voice is something like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, Jesus, I, I know you're a teacher and all, you know, so, and before that you were kind of a carpenter, so, like, you know, I don't fault you for not knowing a, a thing or two about fishing, but did you ever see a fishing boat out on the, the lake in the middle of the day? No, that's not when we do this, Jesus. Peter had already been out all night. He'd already worked hard. He'd already cleaned his nets and was prepared for, the fit, for that walk of shame, going home empty-handed. But Jesus, this teacher who has authority, because he asks it. Now, now let's take a break from the, the biblical narrative here a second. Let's kind of step back and kind of find ourselves within this story here and kind of get a, a perspective here. Uh, we, where we, the place where we find Simon Peter is one where he is, he is established. 
He, he, is, he is set in his trade. He's got his occupation. He's, he's got his jam. He, he knows the routine. He knows the daily grind. He knows how to do his thing. He, he's committed. He, he's a husband. There, there are certain responsibilities that he has to, to his wife, to his family. There are things that he, he knows how to do because he's committed to his way. He's too old to try something new. He's too young to teach anybody to to do the thing that he's doing. So we're still talking about Simon here. What about us? Well, as, as a local church, we've been established for 91 years. 91 years, that's amazing. For 91 years, the Eau Claire Wesleyan Church has been a part of this community. And we've had our ups and downs. We've had our, our places where we've impacted the community. There, We've had areas where we could do better. But for 91 years, we have, as a, as a collective community, decided that there are some things that we value together, one of them being getting together in a place like this and worshiping Jesus together and praying together and opening the word together. There are things that we're committed to and nine years, we, we celebrated yesterday, nine years of, of the, uh, the Motor Fest uh, that's been going on. There are things that we've done for years. Uh, we've got our Festival of Missions, again, that's coming that I swear is probably older than I am. Uh, the church has been doing it for longer than that. We, they, we have things that we're committed to. Some might say that, that among us, we're too old to do anything new. Some on the other end of the spectrum might argue, what are these, these, you, these young new leaders think that they're doing? They can't change anything here. Why they shouldn't change anything here? And for 91 years, we have preferences and people and practices that we've held on to because they're ours. And, and they give us a sense of ownership, kind of like Peter with his nets. I can control this. I can do something like this because we're established and we're committed to a way. And this is the direction we've got to go. They give us a sense of belonging when we hold on to something dearly like that, especially when we've held on to it for so long. And this is where we jump back in the boat with Simon Peter and with Jesus. Simon, he's incredulous. He's holding, I can imagine he's holding onto his nets. There's kind of that internal grumbling of I just washed these. I just washed these. I know what I'm doing with this thing. Jesus, just stay out of this. You did your teaching thing. We'll get you back to shore safely. But these are my nets. This is where my sense of value comes from. But because Jesus asks it, he throws his freshly clean nets back into the drink. And he is overwhelmed by what happens next. This time, this time is different because this time the master of all is in the boat with him and it is at his command that the nets drop 
And it is more than Simon Peter can handle, so much so that he has to call over his partners and that the the fish and the boats and, and his partners, they begin to sink under the weight. And in this moment, I believe that Simon Peter recognized this scenario. This isn't the first time that he's been in this scenario. It's just like that moment with his mother-in-law all over Again, not his mother-in-law like nagging him about something. Like it, this, was, this was that moment where Jesus comes in and heals his mother-in-law. See, what happens is that when Jesus commands something, something supernatural happens. Creation itself bends to his will. That which is rebuked ceases. That which is commanded obeys. But when it comes to people, When it comes to people, Jesus always gives choice. And at this moment, Simon Peter has the same response of anyone in all of recorded history that has ever come face to face with God himself. It is face to the ground and it is confession. Peter is in the boat. It says that he drops to Jesus' knees and says, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. I don't, have it, I don't have any right to be in this boat with you. You're holy. You are, you are something that is so different and so much better and you have so much authority and I've seen this and I haven't just seen it once now. I've seen it twice now and I'm not worthy to be in this place. And Jesus, I love his response because his response isn't, yeah, Peter, you're right. Jesus, who is the only person who is able to judge and know fully and intimately the status of the soul, is standing in the boat with Peter who's freshly confessed his sinful nature. And he doesn't stand over him in condemnation. He says, don't be afraid. If I were in the boat with Jesus, if I had seen that two times now, I think I'd need a fresh set of pants. (laughs) And Jesus says, don't be afraid. And with his nature laid bare, with it all out there, Jesus says, I'm gonna make you new. You're going to fish, but you're going to fish in a different way. You see, folks, when, when Jesus brings about the opportunity for change, you can either push him away or you can take the invitation to follow him. Here's what I promise you. If you push him away, you will sink 100% of the time. In this moment, Peter, if, if Jesus had listened to Peter and he had been like, Lord, just go away, I'm sinful, and Jesus had been like, yeah, I know, all right, peace, I think the boats probably would have sunk and that would have been the end of his story, but Jesus, he's got this way and I love it because I know he's done it in me. Because if you choose to follow Jesus, It means leaving on different terms than when you came to him. 
He loves you and I so much that he doesn't want to leave you in the places that he finds you, but he's going to take you into better places and he's going to take you and he's going to make you new, but only if you let him. And it says that not only did Simon Peter accept the invitation of Jesus, but so did his partners, James and John. They were so overwhelmed that they followed Jesus as well. They're like, hey, we want to get in on this. Something good is going to happen. Something big is, God is up to something in this. What's really interesting is that these, these men would become some of Jesus' closest friends. They would, they would be with Jesus in some of his most troubling times. And I think that the reason for that is found in verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and followed him. It was no holding back. We have seen what Jesus can do. We have seen the instruction. We've been, gi- we've, given, we've been given this opportunity to be made new and to follow him. And they had no business based on the, the, the culture's view of them as people. They had no business following a rabbi. They weren't smart enough. They weren't talented enough. They weren't, they weren't the A team, B team, C team. They were the J team. And Jesus said, I'm gonna take you I'm gonna make you new and I'm gonna do something with you. And we're gonna be looking at, in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be looking at the thing that happens when we follow after Jesus and we leave those things on the shores. And maybe for you today, maybe for you today, it's taking that invitation for the very first time or remembering that you were invited along with Jesus to follow him and to be made new. But you see, here's the thing, if you follow him, like I said, it means following him on his terms. It means going a different way than you came. And for some, it means that there are things that you have held sacred that have nothing to do with him. They're kind of our constructs. And it means leaving them on the shore. For some of you, it's that, it's that belonging. It's that net. It's that trepidation of, what are they going to do to my thing? It's the fear and it's the anxiety. Maybe it's the apathy. And maybe this is where Jesus calls you to take the nets and drop them and leave them on the shores. And maybe you like the idea of Jesus, but this idea of, of following him is, is something that, man, I just don't know that I can trust him. I promise you that following Jesus will never be easy, but it will be so good. And so maybe this is the place here where you start. And friends, I gotta tell you, I'm full of hope for what God is doing. I'm full of hope with what God can do in the life of this local church because I know what God does in the lives of individuals that are surrendered to him. 
And, and, maybe, and maybe this morning for you, if you're new to an understanding of faith in Jesus, maybe this morning for you is a moment where you just simply say, hey, you know what, Jesus, I'm not really sure what I believe in you. I'm really not sure what you're about. But I hear that you invite people like me to follow alongside of you. So let me see what you're about and what it means to belong to you. Maybe you've walked with Jesus and you have a relationship with him, but you still really haven't grasped why Jesus would call you in the first place. Maybe your response is very similar to Simon Peter's where you're like, Lord, just, just go away from me. If you could just go away, then I, I'm just sinful and I don't get it. And, and maybe for you, perhaps the conversation with, with the Lord is, is Jesus, I don't, I don't know what you see in me. Maybe it's, I don't know what you see in me, but I know that you're calling me to something that's outside of myself. Help me to trust you. And help me to see that you have my best interest in mind. If you're strong in your faith and you've been established for a while and neither one of these things are are a hang up for you, then here is my encouragement and my challenge to you. May Simon Peter's story remind you of our beginnings, of our origins, and what happened when we began to follow Jesus. For you, thank God for his grace. Thank God for his unmerited favor that you will never be able to earn. You will never be good enough for it. But the beauty in God's redemption is that he already did that stuff for us. He takes us as misfits and makes us his own. And remember as you reminisce that those things left on the shore are only left there by the grace of God. And friends, this is where we begin. This is where the road is is starting new. And this is the place where we begin to be introduced to what it means to be the church and where we find a place where we fit. I want to thank you guys for being here this morning. And uh, I would really challenge you, like I said at the very beginning, go to ecwesleyan.net slash wefit, download the PDF file of questions, get together in a group with people and uh, and talk about these, these things. And we'll see you next week when we talk about house rules. God bless you as you go.